together and being family and just celebrating together, joining as we worship. And uh, again, I know I keep going on about it, but um, guests, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for coming and uh, being part of things. And uh, you join us. This is, uh, I think we're week six into a teaching series called Kingdom Come, Your Kingdom Come. And we've taken it from this passage. Um, We're all going to know this. I'm hoping we're all going to know this passage. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said this. He said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he's prayed this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we've been looking at over these last few weeks. That the kingdom of God as it is in heaven, can be experienced here on earth. Now that's good news. That's absolutely amazing. Because boy, do we see a lot of bad stuff going on in and around us all the time. And God has promised to us to pray and to ask and to invite and to be a part of this thing called the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Last week, uh, we talked about the kingdom has come now, but not yet. And we used the illustration of D-Day and V-E Day to help it explain what I meant by that. D-Day was June, I think the 8th, 1944, and the Allied forces, the 6th? Oh, check it, check it, get the mobiles out. It is the 6th, all right, all right, there's a man who knows. And, and so in 1944, they get on the boats and they go across to Normandy. And that, at that point, that was, when, that was when the war was won. That's when people, the historians, they look back and they say that was when the war was won. And that was, in many ways, a great comparison of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. At that moment, when, when he chose to sacrifice himself, he was obedient to his father. That at that point, victory was uh, won. And yet, between then to now, we are still at war. We are still in a battle. And VE Day, which came in May the 6th. It's the 6th or the 8th? Anyone else? Anyone else? I think. Nearly, what, 11 months later, that was when Victory Day, that was when really, really the war was over. And that will be when Jesus comes again in all his glory. And at that moment, at that time, there will be no sickness, there will be no pain, there will be no suffering, there will be no tears. And yet in this moment, we are still a part of that. We we see it in and around us, we see it in our own lives. And yet, in amongst all of that, God gives us hope, he gives us grace, he gives us light and he gives us life that we would invite and that we would be a part of this thing called the kingdom, that we would experience heaven's touch here on earth. And that's why we pray for the sick. We pray for them to get healed. That's why we pray for life change to take place. And we're so thrilled. We are so thrilled that we see lives changing in here, in our groups, in our coffees, in our culture, in our workplaces and all around us that God is inviting us to be a part of this thing called the kingdom. And I want to take that bit just a bit further this morning and I've called it practicing the presence of the kingdom because God's inviting us to be a part of that, practicing uh, the presence. Put another way, it's called doing the stuff. And you might have heard me share this before. 
the, um, the founding father of the Vineyard Church in 1977, a man called John Wimber, who was a saxophone player in the Righteous Brothers many, many, many years ago. Um, he read the Bible. He became a Christian. He shared this story many times. He read the scriptures as he became a Christian. And he was falling in love with Jesus. He was having relationship, this personal encounter with the living God. And he read the scriptures and he read all the stories about Jesus and his encounter with the disciples. And what the disciples then went on and did when Jesus went to heaven. And he went to the church leaders and said, this is amazing, this is amazing. When do we get to do the stuff? And they turned to him and said, what do you mean? What do you mean? He's like, the Jesus stuff. When do we get to do the Jesus stuff? And he's like, oh, no, 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 John, you've, you've got it all wrong, mate. That was, that was then. It's now is very different. And for years, he contested against this. He's like, no, these are the promises in the scriptures where Jesus says to the disciples, and you will go and do greater things than I. He says, I am giving you authority to go to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. I'm calling you to go as light into dark places. I'm sending you. And that's what we want to unpack here uh, this morning because I think the experience has become that many Christians today, that they, they don't live much differently to those who are not Christians you know, okay, there might be a bit of behavior modification here and there, good living, you know, they don't drink or they don't swear or they don't whatever, but I think so much we can get so caught up in all the don'ts that we forget about the do's. God's called us to do stuff. Not that we just say, oh yeah, I believe in you, Jesus, pray the prayer, oh, I'm so glad you've forgiven me. We book our one-way ticket to heaven. No, it's much more than that. He invites us and he, he asks us to partner with him in this beautiful thing called the gospel. The word gospel means good news. And those of us who are Christians today, you, I hope, have experienced and know it is good news. We have good news to tell in the right way. And we are uh, meant to tell that good news to a broken, hurting world. St. Francis of Assisi he quoted this thing, he said this thing, go and preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. The kingdom comes when we shine in the darkness. And Jesus, he's on this hillside in Galilee and he's teaching a large crowd and he declares this truth to his listeners and he declares it to us today. And before we read it, remember this, that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is... And this is what he says about us. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Kind of sticks out, doesn't it? Jerusalem, for those of you who have been fortunate enough to be in Israel and you've gone there, Jerusalem is built on a hill. That whole area, that whole region is really, really hilly. It kind of sticks out. You, you, you can't hide it. 
And neither do you light a light and hide it. You know, a light's there to give light. Unless you're Chantelle as a little girl, apparently. She used to, very late at night, get a torch under her bed covers and she used to read her books into the early hours. Uh, wild child, hey? <laughs> Crazy. Must have been really difficult parenting. Um, but when you light a light, it gives light, doesn't it? My apologies if you're kind of sitting there trying to look at your Bible and you can't read it. But there's kind of light here and it's kind of light there. That's, that's what it does. And that's, that's that picture there. That's kind of what it would have looked like. The old Herodian, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, lamp. It would have been filled with olive oil and they would have lit it. And they would have put it up on a high place. And it would have given light to those around. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You are a new creation. You are a light. You carry the presence of the living God in you. And that means where you go, he goes with you. And you take that light to wherever you are. Freely you've received, freely give. And Jesus is inviting us to give it away. We might have summarized, Jesus might have summarized this whole thing in one word, go. He causes people to be a sent people. Sent people are light. Sent people are salty, which is in the passage just before it. And Jesus said this. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It's clear, it's simple, and yet its invitation has resulted into something far less. Go has become complicated programs. Go has become for professional qualified preachers. Go has become about professional missionaries that go all over the place. And all nations has become just about those who go to the local church. I remember when I first moved to Northern Ireland, uh, we went to a fabulous uh, camp every year. Our young people went there this year called Summer Madness. And I remember one of the mornings, whoever was leading the meeting basically made an invitation to pray for young people that were going on mission during the summer. You know, they were going away with Tear Fund or Christian Aid or whoever it might be, or whether it be in Northern Ireland or whether it be getting on a plane and flying across the world, going and do a mission. And they invite people to stand and people stood with them and laid hands and prayed. And, and I tell you, the number of people that stood up, I was absolutely amazed. I was like, that is incredible. The young people are so hungry. And yet I thought, there is such a legacy of missionaries from this country. Isn't that right? Go back centuries. The fellas and the felleresses who got on boats and they rowed across the Atlantic. That's mental. They didn't even know if they were going to hit land. And eventually, I guess they did. And they went with this thing called the gospel. The good news, the beauty of it, that lives change as people encounter and experience God. And that's a legacy. It's a legacy of the Irish people. It's absolutely amazing. And yet the point is this. We are all called to be missionaries. Sometimes I think we find it easier to jump on a plane and go across the world and tell people about Jesus than it is to walk across our road to our neighbor and share what God's given us to our friends or our neighbors or our colleagues or our family who are right there on our doorstep. So folks, whether you're a, a pupil or a teacher or a nurse or a bus driver 
or an office worker or a joiner or a computer programmer or whatever it might be. God has called you and he's sending you. He's sending you. And my screen is just about to... He's sending you. The word sent has been mentioned over 650 times in the Bible. In the majority of cases, God, he's him who's the one who's doing the sending. In the Old Testament, he sends angels to minister, mana to feed, prophets to warn, disasters to stop tyrants or discipline his people, leaders to deliver. God is attentive to people's needs. He hears the cries of his people. He really hears the cries of the broken and the hurting. When they pray, whether they know the God that they're praying to, he hears their cries and he sends people. He sends people to help. And in the New Testament, this sending reaches its potential, its pinnacle, its climax. He sends his own son. Near the end of his ministry, Jesus turns to his followers and he says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then, what does he do? He sends the Holy Spirit so that we can do the Jesus stuff. Because here's the thing, we can't do the Jesus stuff without him. But it's the Holy Spirit who is him in us, through us, that we can do the stuff. And so the Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Spirit, and the Father, Son, and Spirit send the church. It's in God's DNA. This sending, going stuff is all what he has ordained, and it's about him, and he invites us into this. But when God invites us and sends us, we don't have to go. You see, the early apostles, they stayed in Jerusalem for some time. When Jesus went to be with the Father, the apostles, they stayed. And they preached the gospel and many people got saved. It was amazing. But it wasn't until there was persecution that came to those early disciples. They were getting thrown in jail and all sorts that possibly was the kickstart for them to go to the nations. And over a number of years, they traveled throughout that whole Roman Empire preaching the gospel and taking it to other people and other cultures. Most of us resist being sent too. We're not used to being told what to do. We don't like that. As children, our children don't like being told what to do, let alone grown-ups. We also um, allow fear to prevent us from going. We're concerned of what it might mean or what it might cost us. We're afraid that people will think that we're weird or will think that they might just reject us. However, when we do go, when we do say yes and we become this sent people, we go to many windows, windows of opportunities, windows of redemption, places and people where salvation and healing and life and truth and goodness and is needed. And those windows are for you and for me. Those windows are for your angry teenager, the depressed and lonely neighbor, for the meth user, the stranger knocking at your door, the Eastern European the lesbian and gay community, and so on. In every town and culture, every part of our land, there are windows, there are spaces, there are people, there are groups who are just hungry and open and praying that the light and the life and the goodness of heaven would come to earth. And we must see behind each of these windows we must see that there are people, that they're not projects. That behind all these things, there are people 
that we are called to go to, to honour, to love. And we need to understand that, um, that relevance means being authentic. It's easy for us in this culture today to say that the church is not relevant. And whilst that statement by, might be true in some cases, we're in danger of looking at the church and just thinking, do you know what, it's just not sexy enough. We need to dress it up a wee bit, you know. And we work hard at that, don't we? We have cool music and, yeah, you know, we serve donuts and coffee and what have you. And, uh, you know, try and dress things up a wee bit. Now, I'm kind of being deliberately facetious there because actually some of those things, they are good. They are good. But the most important thing is that being relevant is being authentic. It's being real. And folks, if, again, if you're a guest here this morning, I, you, you, there's, you're going to go away with all kinds of impressions. You know, I hope that your impression isn't that the pastor, he was really cool. And um, there's absolutely no danger of that whatsoever. <laughs> I'm well aware of that. I've listened to your comments about my dreadful dress sense and all the rest. You know, I hope that it's not just, oh, they had lights and... Um, Oh, you know, the, the band, they did some interesting songs. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope it's much more. I hope you go away knowing that those people were real. Well, that, 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 that God person, they really seem to be, they like him. And they actually like each other. And they're really real with each other. One of the things we say is come as you are. And we mean that come as you are let's not hide behind a door let's not pretend to be someone or something that we're not relevance is being authentic and the broken hurting world wants and needs real people to come to people in a real way to love and to care for them and so our friend Malcolm when he goes into prison he goes relevant because he's genuine and he's authentic about relationship with the prison inmates that he meets. And he takes them as they are. And it's so good, they actually let him go home when he goes into prison. And for Julie, where's Julie? Somewhere over here. Julie who provides uh, foster respite care at weekends. She's genuine about that. It's absolutely amazing. For Marla, Marna and Zulema who've just started this group, I've mentioned it before. For people in, in our culture, in our town, who are not from Northern Ireland. They do that with great hope and with great love and genuine relationship. For Andrew and Gina, who run the CAP money course, helping people like you and me get in a grip with their finances. Not only do they do it with us, but they also go to prison. And they help people who are about to get out of prison to manage their finances. It's Good things done with great love that changes the world. And all of these things, all of these people that I've mentioned, there's many others of you as well, who are doing just amazing things, said yes to God. When God spoke to them, they obeyed him. They said, yes, we will go. And some of them are big commitments. You know, to be going into prison on a regular basis, that's a big commitment. And Malcolm's able to do that, which is brilliant. That's fantastic. However... The kingdom, the kingdom comes and is released in small, everyday things. 
Mother Teresa said, little things done with great love changes the world. And the genius of the kingdom is it's not complicated. A simple smile to someone. That's enough. A kind tone, which we speak in. Holding the door open for someone to come through. Speaking well of someone. I love doing this. When you're talking about someone in your workplace or whatever, sometimes it can be gossip falling. Oh, there it is, that. And that, that's called gossip, right? And that just rips the heart out of mankind. I love gossiping well about people. Such as, oh, they're brilliant. He is such a brilliant teacher. Oh, she's amazing. Do you see the way she acts with her kids? I, I just love it. I said to friends of mine recently, I just said, Guys, I hope you don't think this is corny, right? I just love the way that you parent your children. I've learned so much about the way that you treat your kids. And they were like, oh, you know, you, you know the way you are when you receive something positive. You're kind of a bit weird about that. But it's like, but, oh, thanks. That's, that's about being good, being kind, listening to someone, texting someone, calling, offering to help, praying for them. Each time we do these things, do you know what we're doing? We're just shining our lights. We're shining our lights. And when we get together like this, we're, this place is illuminated. But when we go from here, our light's going to go into all the different places, into your classrooms, into the staff rooms, on the bus, wherever it is. Your light is shining. I'm about to break into song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I don't normally sing, do I? <laughs> I've really, really lost the plot. Here we go. So I heard yesterday, I heard this story only yesterday, that a candle lit, just a, just a little candle lit, if it was a really, really dark, dark place that it was lit in, can be seen from 10 miles away. Be seen from 10 miles away. And do you know, our eyes and our gaze are drawn to the light. We're not drawn to the darkness. People that don't know Jesus, they're drawn to the light. They're drawn to that which is in you. It's amazing. We're coming into land soon. Each time we shine the light, we act as a signpost to heaven. Signposts that point people to life, point people to Jesus, not for the sake of conversion, but because he's the one that gives life. Behind the issues, behind the groups, behind the needs is a person. We're partnering with another church in our town, uh, Jordan Victory Church, on the Carrick Fergus Food Bank, distributing food to people that need it. It's absolutely brilliant. It's such a great project to be a part of. But here's the thing. Before the distribution of food is the person, is the person's dignity, is the person's needs. And we do that thing out of love for the person and the people in that family that matter to God. And because they do, God shares his heart with his people. We become like signposts saying, this is hope, this is life, this is love, and it's found in him. Done in love, with great kindness, we communicate the gospel. St. Francis of Assisi, if necessary, we use words, but otherwise it's about action, because actions speak louder. The people of this nation are sick and tired of words. They have heard it preached with great gusto in town centers, a message which has been communicated. You have read it on billboards, on signposts, on 
I, I've read scripture all over the place as I walk through forests. People pinned up stuff and I've received tracts of Bible verses and what have you. And I'm not necessarily slating that, by the way. But what I am saying is that there's people in our land that want to see and want to experience. They want to feel more than just words. The words are powerful because the words are life. Because the words is the word of God. And that is incredibly powerful. But the message communicated through love and through action speak louder often than words do. To quote Elvis, I think, a little less conversation, a little more action. Some closing questions. It's a good job you didn't read this before I spoke, wasn't it? Because there'll be some editing done. Some closing questions. Consider these things. What would happen if you placed another chair around your table at mealtime? And then you prayed, God, who do you want to sit in that chair? Who do you want me to invite around tonight? What do you think are the greatest needs here in Carrick, Fergus? What do you imagine if the kingdom were to break out in those places? And what are some of the simple ways that you, your family, your life group could do to represent the kingdom or to shine your light what are the simple things that you could do and then what are the things that keep you from doing it that's the message that's us this morning Hannah and team why don't you come we're going to uh, stand again in a moment and uh, we're going to sing we're going to worship and then we're going to pray So, let's stand again together.
to join us for coffee and donuts and biscuits. There are two, uh, they're, they're the school canteens, but they're cafes this morning uh, behind us. We've opened up both places there, so please stay behind and uh, join us. We've also, you need to go collect your kids in a minute uh, if you book them into our places. But we want to pray. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of the world. And uh, I just think there's some of you this morning that you don't know Jesus. And um, because of that, the, the light isn't there. And uh, maybe God's just been speaking to you graciously this morning and revealing himself to you. And uh, if you would like to respond to what God is inviting you to, we would love to pray with you and we'd invite you to come and talk to us here afterwards we'd love to pray with you but God we just we open ourselves to you again this morning we thank you that you live in us through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit thank you that the light that you bring the way that you change us thank you that we 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 can't change by ourselves, but we only change when we encounter you, your goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And there's, there's many of us, you, you are Christians, you're followers of Jesus, and you, you're here again this morning, you just, you just don't feel good enough. You don't feel like it. And it's like God just says again to you this morning, you are, you are because of me. It's because of what I've done for you that you are worthy. You are good enough. If that's you, we'd love to pray for you this morning. And uh, folks, if there's anyone here, you're, uh, you have anything wrong, there's any sickness, anything in your body that you're just wanting God to heal, touch then we'd love to pray with you as well so all those things we're slightly rushed if you'd like prayer for any of those things come forwards we'd love to pray with you here and there'll be others that would join you but otherwise thank you for coming this morning and uh, being part of the family this morning uh, god bless the elders and folks and family there as you go on and enjoy the rest of your day thank you for coming see you in group during the week see you